0: Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of Silicon Valley. People always ask me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go to podcast for all things financial, career, and business. I'm your host, wealth manager Lee Michael Murphy. And I'm alongside Silicon Valley career mentor and interview coach, Sergio Patterson.
1: What is up,
2: everyone?
0: And we are also alongside everyone's favorite attorney, Matthew McElroy. What's going on? So, guys, we had a wonderful podcast today. We are going to be talking about cryptocurrency. Now, just a quick disclaimer for you all. Nothing you hear in this episode is going to be an investment recommendation, And I know that this is a topic that a lot of people have a lot of feelings about. Some people view it in one light and other people view it in another light. No matter what you feel about it, I think it's important for people to understand it. So, Maddie, you and I have talked about crypto. And what do you think about everything that's going on right now in that space?
2: I think it's going through a major, what you call like a full cycle. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of hype around it right now. I think that people, if they are going to get into this space as an investment, I think they really need to educate themselves and know what they're doing. I see a lot of times people just kind of blindly throw money at maybe somebody on YouTube's recommendation or something like that. And I think probably one of the biggest takeaways is that you got to educate yourself.
0: hundred I think that
2: goes with any financial investment, right? You really got to be educated.
0: But I think like with this one, it's so new, a new asset class, and there's so much that people don't know about it. So, you know, being in the financial industry... I remember being in meetings four years back where I was telling rooms full of other financial advisors, like, hey, this is going to be a thing. This is something that we need to keep an eye on. And I was laughed kind of out of meetings because they're like, no way. This is like a Ponzi scheme. It's a scam. It's snake oil. Now, fast forward four years later, I think that we're starting to see a lot of institutional money headed to cryptocurrency. And like I said, I'm not going to say I'm pro crypto or I'm against crypto. But I think like what we said in the beginning, we need to make this an educational episode so people understand what is a Bitcoin, what is a cryptocurrency, because we're hearing it thrown around, but no one really understands it. And we are blessed today, guys, because we have the one, the only Linda P Jones coming on to talk about this. And Matt and I always talk about how hard it is to find experts in this space because it's so new. Linda is one of the rare leaders in this space where she is a financial expert and she really understands it and she gives great content. Serge, you've had a lot of questions about crypto. Like what's on your mind? Like what questions are you going through as someone that is newer to looking at the space and has all these questions now.
1: Yeah. I was one of the people that laughed you out of the room four years ago. I think (laughs) when I was trying to just understand it back then, it didn't make sense. And still now, luckily I have you and Matt to kind of give me the heads up. These are the coins I should be looking at and that sort of thing. I have a ton of questions. I'm like a noob essentially. So I'm super
0: excited just to ask dumb questions to Linda and just try to get more educated. Yeah. We're so stoked to have her on. I'll give you guys a brief background about Linda, but she is the CEO of Be Wealthy and Smart. She has been in the financial industry for 25 years. She is a world-renowned author. She's a podcaster, and she's written the book, You Are a Wealthy Heiress? Now Think and Act Like One, Six Practical Steps to Make It a Reality. And her podcast has been in 181 countries, and she has over 6 million downloads. And she was in 2019 listed as number one in the top financial investing podcast so blessed grateful to have her on we're going to go to a quick break but if you have any questions financial related career related legal related make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com and also if this is a episode that you have extra questions about because you're curious about crypto you can send the questions there too we can forward them on to linda so we'll go to a quick break and then we'll be right back Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show, sitting down with the one, the only, Linda P. Jones. Linda, how are you doing this morning?
3: I'm great, Lee. Thanks for having me here.
0: The pleasure is all on this side of the table, Linda. We were talking before we started recording, we're like, how did we get Linda P. Jones? (laughs) So obviously, you know, you must've thought this was Oprah or something, but we're grateful to have you. Like, you're awesome.
3: Well, you guys are awesome too, so why wouldn't I want to be here? I
0: don't know. Well, that's not We're not used to hearing that, but thank you. I appreciate it. You're obviously very kind and sweet. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
3: Well, I consider myself a wealth mentor, which means that I educate people about how to make their money work hard for them so they don't have to work so hard. And I have an online investing business, which I teach people. So, I don't invest people's money like you, Lee, but I teach people about investing their money. And The key really about wealth building and financial freedom is about how well you can compound your money. And that's what my book was about. And that's what my next book that I'm actually working on right now is about and using future technology to get those higher compounding rates. And I see crypto as one of the spaces where we're able to compound at a higher rate. So it's really exciting right now.
0: This would be a great episode for people just to understand what is cryptocurrency. For a lot of us, we're hearing it being thrown around there out in the public but no one really understands what is a cryptocurrency. It sounds kind of like a video game. You know, some of the symbols you see kind of reminds you of video games. And so thus people think that it's not a legitimate thing. But how would you describe cryptocurrency to our listeners?
3: So I think the easiest way for people to kind of get familiarity around it is first to think about PayPal. Remember when PayPal came out and we thought it was a little bit different. It was payment online online. And it wasn't the usual credit card payment that we were used to. It was a little bit something different. And then we had like Venmo and we've had like these iterations of things leading up to this. And then we had Bitcoin and Bitcoin actually became a full digital currency. So there was a limited amount of Bitcoin that were created And the idea was having a fixed supply of something was going to maintain its value, was going to keep its value. And also they were going to burn a little bit of it each year. So it would actually become more rare. That was the first idea. If you think about how we've digitized so many things with computers and moved online, this is the next real step of what we need to do in order to have payment systems. Because the way that the banking system is set up right now, If you wanted to move money from the United States to, let's say, Prague, it's literally faster for you to get on a plane with cash on the plane and fly there than it is to move it through the SWIFT system, our banking system. And that's because our technology from the banking system was created in the 1950s. And that's the system that we're using today. It's slow, it's expensive, and it's incredibly cumbersome. And so we needed a digital version, a way to transfer money. It should be instantaneous. So that's what cryptocurrency became. But Bitcoin was not the answer to that. Bitcoin was the first iteration. And I never liked Bitcoin. I've never invested in Bitcoin. I never will because I philosophically disagree with the amount of energy that Bitcoin uses. It uses more energy than the country of Argentina in one year. It's It's very, very slow. You can't use it to transport a lot of money, but you can use it as a store of value. And that's what people are investing in it as a store of value. But it's not going to be the currency that will be able to be transported around the world. But there is a cryptocurrency that came up with that technology. And that is the technology that I'm very excited about because we have a technology that is 100% digital that can move money in three seconds or less that costs a fraction of a penny to send that money. And it is a green energy, it doesn't use any, there's no miners to it, like for Bitcoin, you don't have all these computers that are trying to generate Bitcoin. It's not like that, you have a total green energy. So you have a fast, expeditious, inexpensive and green energy currency that all the banks around the world can use. And already over 300 financial institutions have signed up to use this cryptocurrency. So that is where my major investment is, is in that cryptocurrency.
0: Explain blockchain. I think part of this whole thing with cryptocurrency is blockchain. How would you describe blockchain
3: to the listeners? Okay, so blockchain is just keeping an individual record of everything. Let's say that you are closing a real estate deal and you have all of these steps that you have to go through. The blockchain can actually be used to shorten all those steps and to record those steps. So it can record an individual record and that record can be seen and verified by multiple computers. So the blockchain is a great technology and when that technology came out with Bitcoin, I liked the blockchain technology, and I saw the value of that. But I just wasn't crazy about Bitcoin for the problems that I already said. But the blockchain is going to be the future of what we're going to build contracts on and have major financial agreements on, because it can be verified, it cannot be hacked, it can be automated. So I think in the future, for example, we can use what are called smart contracts, on the blockchain to automate the whole closing process in real estate. So from the escrow to checking the deed titles to some of the legal action, it can be automated in a contract and placed on the blockchain as a record and as something that cannot be corrupted. So that's really exciting technology.
2: I totally agree with you. I think the application to a real estate transaction is right on point. And also, I'm sure you've heard the whole NFT craze that's going on. NFT stands for non fungible tokens. I've always thought that having a grant deed as an NFT would be an awesome application of that technology.
3: Yeah. So, a non fungible token creates that authentic record, an individual record. And that's why it's not only great for legal documents, but it's also great for artwork, for music for any kind of artistry or any kind of licensing authorship. So you can create a one of a kind work and then people can buy the rights to distribute that work. So for example, in the future, a record artist might sell their record, their brand new production to someone as a non-fungible token And someone can bid for that, buy it, and then they're the distributor. They have the rights to distribute it and maybe make money rather than the record company. So I think, yes, it absolutely has a future.
2: You know, it's a cool example of that is I heard that Jack Dorsey made an NFT of his first tweet on Twitter, (laughs) and then he sold it for like 2 point something million or something crazy. That's pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, that's one example. But to your point about how you think, crypto sounds like it's crazy or like it's silly. Saturday Night Live came up with a comedy piece about it. I don't know if you saw that video, but they made up a rapper song and about non-fungible tokens and made it look crazy. A lot of times new technologies are made to look a little bit crazy. And that is a strange thing that we have in our sort of culture. But if you remember back when Twitter first came out, I remember people were making fun of Twitter saying, well, what am I supposed to tweet? What I had for breakfast? And I literally, the first tweet I ever read was what somebody ate for breakfast because they didn't know what to tweet and they didn't know what Twitter was. And now it's an incredible research tool that I use a lot in the investment industry, I don't know how it would survive without it because it allows other people to accumulate information and then I can quickly go through that information and decide what I wanna use and what I don't, but it's assimilated by other people and it's an incredibly powerful tool. So sometimes we have this craziness or this making fun of technology that happens. And that happened back when the internet started too. We had people who were saying, oh, you can't trust it. You're just going to get hacked. Your money's going to get stolen. Don't trust the internet, which is some silly fad. We had all of that back then too, but now look where we are. We really understand what the internet is today.
2: And crypto's kind of already gone through one cycle, right? Like back in 2017, it got a lot of hype and then it had a big crash. And now it's kind of resurging again from that. And it seems to, have caught a lot more fire as far as mainstream than last time. What is your perception on that? Do you feel like this is just gonna be another kind of fad in and out, or do you think it's gonna be more kind of a mainstream adoption in the long term?
3: My opinion is that I think 99% of cryptocurrencies will go away. And I think that there's going to be regulation that comes around the cryptocurrencies and they're going to have to abide by financial regulations in a way that they haven't so far whether that affects bitcoin or not i don't know but i would imagine it probably would the head of the imf has said this will not be a cryptocurrency that is used worldwide that it can't be for a lot of reasons that i've already said so it's not the one we already know it is not the chosen cryptocurrency it's a store of value today people are using it as a speculative investment today i think that's how you should consider it as something speculative
2: Yeah, a lot of people compare it to gold, right? So far as a store of value.
3: Yeah, I don't consider it like gold, but I consider it a store of value. It's a place that will hold money. But again, trying to get your money out of Bitcoin can take a very long time. I mean, it's very slow. It's not a great way to transfer money. You can store it, yes, but transferring or trying to use it as currency, it doesn't really work.
2: Yeah, I remember me and Lee have uh, tried to send each other Bitcoin, or not send each other, but send Bitcoin before, and it's like, you're just waiting there as 30 minutes go by, it's still not here yet. (laughs) It's a little scary at times. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hey,
1: Linda, for somebody who's new, like Matt and Lee obviously have the experience with Bitcoin, for our listeners and even for myself, you mentioned trust. I think for me, there was a lot of like, do I trust this thing? So I'm curious, for somebody who's new, how do they go about educating themselves? Who can they trust? when they start thinking about putting their hard earned dollars into this?
3: Well, you bring up a really great point, Sergio. And that was one of the reasons why I never invested in Bitcoin. I didn't care that it just went up. I felt like I didn't know who created it. You know, we know Satoshi Nakamoto, but we also know that that's not really a real person who's known. I don't like investing in something who I don't know who created it. So that for me is a fundamental problem, but, to learn about cryptocurrency, I think there's tons of podcasts available, including Be Wealthy and Smart. There's tons of YouTube videos available. There's no shortage of information if you want to learn about it. And that's literally what I had to do is just go and educate myself about what is going on in the space, who has the dominance, because when you're looking at individual technology and you are considering investing, one of the important things is who has the dominance in the space because it's not just enough to be first we have a lot of examples of first that didn't go on to be the dominant one that you wanted to invest in so we had myspace before facebook right myspace didn't end up being the social media facebook did and we had aol and we had yahoo before we had google but it was Google that ended up being the main winner. So you wanna look at dominance. So when you're studying about technology that you wanna invest in, you wanna see who already is accumulating relationships, who already is creating dominance in the space, because that one, if they get a lead over other people, they're likely to keep that lead. Not always, but usually, that's the one that you want to be investing in.
0: That's gold right there. Thank you. people. Just. Think back over that last minute of what you said, because there's so much value in that statement. Going back to the principles behind cryptocurrency, one thing I think that's important for us to understand is the concept of centralized versus decentralized networks. Can you give us a little bit on what that means and how it plays into the cryptocurrency space?
3: Yes. Well, if you think about Let's talk about money and let's talk about the U.S. dollar being the world's reserve currency. That is a centralized currency. In other words, the Federal Reserve is in charge of that currency. So you have a specific group in charge and they have complete control over that currency. Versus a decentralized means that nobody's really in charge. For example, if we created a worldwide central bank digital currency, or we allowed central banks around the world to create their own digital currencies, and we gave them a level playing field where we gave them the same value for every single country, and we allowed them to be able to exchange with each other on computers that would be a decentralized platform if we didn't have anybody in control of that if it was completely decentralized where nobody was in charge we had no one world reserve currency but everybody was equal i actually think that's where we're going and that's what's going to happen and for that reason because we have had a dominant currency for a long time we're now seeing that that money is being created through stimulus into the trillions of dollars now on a regular basis anytime you create more supply of something, it diminishes its value. And even though the dollar hasn't tanked right now in value, a lot of people are projecting in the future it will. And that may happen at some point if there's enough money created, it can make the currency worth less or even worthless as we saw in the Weimar Republic years ago in Germany. So it's about decentralization in the future. I think that's the big trend And that decentralization just means nobody's in charge, that the computers are set up where everybody is equal.
2: Earlier when we were talking, you were saying that you felt that one of the, I guess you call it an altcoin, is kind of one of the front runners for possibly a global currency, if you will. Which one were you referring to? I have an idea, but...
3: (laughs) What do you think it is?
2: I think it was possibly Ripple. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. So that's the reason I asked this because I'm very interested in the subject. What do you think of the SEC and Ripple's battle right now? What is your take
3: on that? I think that it's going to be resolved. I don't think that they acted as a security. They may end up in a settlement situation, but XRP is their cryptocurrency and XRP operates independent of Ripple. So even if Ripple went away, XRP would still survive. I think that it's going to help bring in regulation around all cryptocurrencies, because whatever's determined isn't just going to affect Ripple, it's going to affect everything. And our securities regulations go back to like 1946, where the test, whether you're a security or not, it's 60 the years Howie old. The test, right? Yeah, the Howey test. test. Yeah, it's yeah. over six years old. So we need a test for cryptocurrencies so that we can determine what a cryptocurrency is. As Lee said, it's a brand new asset class. So we need to define it with securities laws. We need to define it with regulation. And I think this Ripple lawsuit is actually going to do that. And it may be the determination that makes some of those cryptocurrencies go away and only keep some around. But it's important that cryptocurrencies are Following regulations right now, there's two main regulations they need to follow. Know your customer. That means they have to ask about who you are and what your background is. Make sure that you're an honest person, not in some nefarious business. And then number two, it's about anti-money laundering, AML laws, to make sure that you're not a money launderer. Because there are some cryptocurrencies out there that allow people to be anonymous and that allows them to do nefarious things. And so I think there's going to be regulation that's not going to allow those secrecy coins anymore. And I think the Ripple lawsuit will usher in the regulations for the whole crypto industry. That's what I think will happen.
1: It sounds like it's almost like a filter which is needed in every industry. You can't just let everything go crazy. And then like, I think for me as a a newbie into this This would actually help new investors in the crypto if these new cryptos are coming through this regulation or filter.
3: Yeah, I think it will help give them legitimacy and it will help get rid of things that aren't legitimate or are doing nefarious activities. But one thing that's very interesting is you mentioned that a lot of the high net worth investors are starting to get into Cryptocurrency and Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they are bringing in their wealthiest customers into crypto investments. So I think that they feel that there is enough legitimacy to start doing that at this point. But they also are always early investors, usually private wealth, high net worth. Family offices and so on get in early. They're almost like venture capitalists. You know, the venture capitalists get in first, the high net worth people get in next, the institutions, and then the retail investor gets offered something. Yeah, so, 100%. Right?
0: Isn't that
3: fair? It's not, how fair. It's not yeah. fair at all. Yeah. So the retail investors usually <laughs> last. And that's why I think you have an advantage if you do your homework right now. You can get in almost at a venture capital stage where you're getting in so early before this becomes the dominant currency and before it becomes a dominant trend that if you do your homework and you find the dominant technology, I think there's a lot of wealth that can be created here.
2: What do you think of the concept of staking? That's kind of been a cool idea that's become very popular in the cryptocurrency world. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I haven't gotten involved in the staking. I know that that uh, generates additional crypto, but I do like using crypto to create an annual percentage yield. So there are cryptocurrencies that you can just own. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to stake or do anything. You just own them and they will generate a 6% annual percentage rate or a 4% annual percentage rate. Unlike treasury bonds or bills, which are yielding so low, we actually have a nice high yielding cryptocurrency situation. So you can just buy them and in your account every month, it will say that you earned your dividend for the month. So that's kind of exciting. And one other thing I want to say is that this really struck me, but one of the reasons why people get paid every two weeks, the way our whole system is set up, the way paychecks are set up where people are paid every two weeks do you realize that that was because it took the accountants and the technology two weeks to calculate the pay originally when it was all set up? And that now with cryptocurrency, because everything can be instantaneous, you could actually get paid every day at the end of the day for your job's work. And I think a lot of payment and a lot of the way the money moves is going to be more instantaneous than it's ever been because of cryptocurrencies.
0: I love that point. I think. In 10 years time, that will be a massive reality in our society. I think you will see that change. I think that'll be a big change moving forward. So let's talk about some of the dangers in crypto. As you said in the beginning, you said 90% of them are probably going to go away. I think that's obviously something that people need to be aware about. Like this is a speculative investment, but there's also a lot of people getting scammed. And a lot of people that, like for instance, I know someone that actually... Actually, I know a handful of people that have gone to exchanges and lost their money. Give the listeners a little bit of things that they need to be aware about because this is like the wild, wild west. (laughs) This airspace has a lot to go and there's a lot of dangers out there. Can you tell some of the ones that you've seen and that we should be aware about?
3: Yes. So the way that you buy cryptocurrency is typically through an app on your phone. There are different exchanges that you can go to. So... You wanna check out where the exchanges are located, what countries are located. A lot of these are located overseas. I have two exchanges that I work with my clients. One is in London and one is in the United States. And the other thing that I like about them is that they tend to store some of the crypto offline. So they have some cold storage and they'll store 90% of the crypto in their cold storage so that if a hacker was able to hack their exchange, they could only hack into 10% at any one time. So there's the risk of someone hacking the exchange. Number one, there's the risk of the exchange being overseas. I probably would just not ever sign up for an exchange in Korea. I mean, I just probably wouldn't. You know, you have to be aware of where is the exchange located. Secondly, you can buy something called a Nano that is cold storage. So you can take your crypto off of the exchange and send it to your Nano, which is a technology device that gets it off the internet and into your device. But that's not foolproof either because people have received emails and thought that the Nano an analogic company was trying to contact them, they clicked on it, and then they got hacked through giving their passwords away, which you never want to do. So there's different ways that they can hack you. They can hack you at the exchange directly. They can hack you even if you fall for a phishing scheme with your email. So there's no perfect way. The best thing to do, I think, is be diversified in how you hold your crypto and be diversified where you keep your crypto. It is a concern that I think you can mitigate, but I think the main thing is picking the right exchanges to get involved with in the first place.
2: Yeah, one of those exchanges, Coinbase, they're having an IPO soon and going public. What are your thoughts about that? That's kind of big news for the whole crypto space, right?
3: It is really exciting news. Now, the thing about it is that they're doing a direct IPO. So that means they're not going through an investment banker to do their IPO. Normally, we're used to investment bankers determining the price, setting the price a little bit low, and then the price skyrockets, and then everybody races after it. We're used to that kind of behavior, but they're not going that way. They're going direct. So that means that they can sell their shares direct to the public. Right now, I'm hearing they're pricing it at $300 to $400 a share, which is a lot higher than what an investment banker would do. I think that's going to put it out of reach of some people, perhaps. But the thing that really concerns me is that they're pricing it at a valuation of $100 billion. I don't think Coinbase is quite worth $100 billion at this point. That's a very rich valuation. So I am not looking to buy at the offer at the opening. I'm looking for it to maybe run up a bit and then maybe... A few months later, pull back and get it at a better valuation. Because $100 billion seems very rich to me. Not that I don't think it will grow into that. I do. I just think it's very rich for today, what it's worth.
2: So you'll be watching it in the long term then?
3: I'll be watching and see if we can buy it at a lower price and lower valuation. Yeah, it seems very fully valued at this point.
0: One other question I think I have in the crypto space is, and we kind of touched on it a little bit before, is the regulation That will eventually come. Uh, I think the uh, former SEC chairman, Jay Clayton, I think he's had some uh, interviews recently where he said like, it's coming. And I fully expect it to. I think we can all expect some future regulation in the space. But what do you think that will mean for the space? Do you think that that's another big bear market like we saw in 2017? Or do you think it's gonna be something that helps The industry in the long run
3: i think it will help the industry i think it will mean a lot of crypto goes away i think it will allow the dominant players to have that legitimacy and have even bigger market share so in other words that money that is currently in crypto that may be regulated adversely will probably move into the cryptos that are going to benefit from the regulation. So those winners, those dominant cryptos, I think they're going to continue to do well. Awesome.
0: Serge, any other questions as the newbie? Yeah, yeah, I do, actually. So this is more of a, it's not really, yeah, it is a
1: question. So the dollar's been around, I just Googled it, 240 years, the US dollar, right? I'm thinking like crypto versus money. That's the way I've been envisioning. And like, is there a world where the traditional idea of money goes away and crypto takes over? Because I was always thinking like there's this fight against the traditional financial advisor like Lee and yourself. You're all about the dollar, right? Is crypto a threat or am I understanding that wrong?
3: I think that crypto and the dollar will both exist at the same time for a period of time. And maybe always, but I think that the central banks are going to create a digital version of their currency. So we'll have a digital ruble, we'll have a digital euro, we'll have all currencies in a digital format. And so they will coexist with the paper money. Whether at some point in the future we decide we're comfortable without paper money or not, I don't know, but for right now, I think they're going to coexist.
0: And I'll echo that. I think that is how I feel about it too. But if you're printing a bunch of dollars and you're printing a bunch of yuan, still you're subject to inflation and devaluing that fiat currency, even if it's in digital format. So I think that there is still a big argument for where crypto falls into as a potential solution to those things.
3: Well, one of the things that they can do is they can limit the number of crypto. If they create the digital version, they can put limits on how much can be created. That might make it even preferable to the physical dollar that doesn't have any limit on it. Do you see what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not trying to say I'm cynical, but I've just seen so much money printed from the government that I just don't know if they would do that. I get what you're saying, but would they do? Well, remember,
3: that? they're not in control. Remember, it's decentralized.
0: Even for the U.S. dollar?
3: Yeah. If they create the central bank digital currencies, they will have a finite amount of each currency created and they won't be able to create any more because they're not in control of it. It's a decentralized situation where the Fed isn't in control of that conceivably. That's how I see it happening is that it's a limited amount. And if they want to, they can even put value behind it. So if they want to attach it to gold or silver or oil or natural resources and give value to a digital currency they can even do that so they can actually make the digital currency more preferable to the paper currency if they want to
0: would it be a stable store of value are we thinking that that's what they're going for or is it a fluctuating value that you think the us would do
3: the assets of course fluctuate but the price of each digital currency is supposed to be a level playing field. That's what I've heard them talk about. So they want to have each currency be equal to one another. And then should they choose to revalue at some point in the future based on natural resources or something else, they can do that. But right now are talking about a level playing field and all of them being equal.
2: Interesting. One thing I heard that's kind of on this topic is, and I I think it's kind of out there, but people have talked about possibly linking a digital dollar and using Bitcoin instead of gold or something like that. And I think that would be kind of crazy, but uh, I've heard that idea tossed around.
3: I think the regulators have already shot that down because they've said that unfortunately there is a certain amount of Bitcoin that is used for nefarious business dealings. So they can't use it as currency. Christine Lagarde already said it will never be used as currency. She's come right out and said that. So it's not gonna be Bitcoin used as a currency. So, and I don't think for that reason, it could be used as a store of value related to a digital currency. So I think Bitcoin is gonna stand in its own way right now until regulations clarify something more about that, but it's not going to be used as the currency she's told us. So we know that for sure.
0: Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value from this. I want to pivot now and I want to talk about your book. I love the title. Why don't you explain what your book's about?
3: Well, my book is about how to build wealth and financial freedom in the quantum age. And the quantum age is what I've coined this new technological age that I believe we're moving into as humanity. By that, I mean, we are going to be the generation that will have those flying cars that we always used to watch on the (laughs) Jetsons cartoons. We're going to be the generation that has the self-driving cars, that has the electric vehicles, that finally gets off of oil, that has robotics, that has longevity in life that has 3D printing, crypto as digital currency, all these things I think are coming in our near future, You know, maybe in the next 10 plus years, but we're going to see that phased in and we've already started to see some of those things be phased in. But my point with writing the book is that each new technological area creates a whole new wealth building category and therefore creates an enormous amount of potential wealth so think about and sergio gets it because he's right there in silicon valley and he sees wealth created out of nothing right as these new companies
1: ideas and meeting rooms you know
3: yeah ideas and meeting rooms and then they become a company and then they go to ipo and they're a stock and then you know billions are created right so think about this very simple example with amazon so back when the internet came out and people were saying, you know, what is the internet? There was a lot of confusion when the internet first came out and even certain tech titans couldn't explain it very well. They said it was the information superhighway. Well, would you explain that today? Would you use that terminology today? I don't think we would. I think we'd say it's all the knowledge of the world on the computer or all the knowledge at your fingertips, being able to do transactions and business and all these things, shortening time and email and communication, all these things, right? That we know today. But back then, we didn't really understand what the internet was and how it was gonna change our life. But here comes Jeff Bezos, creates Amazon. Today, Amazon is a $1 trillion business. So that's a trillion dollars that didn't exist before in an asset class that didn't exist before because we didn't have online shopping prior to the internet, right? So that's just one example, but you take that with electric vehicles look at tesla and the wealth that tesla has created but not just tesla all these other electric vehicle companies now are creating wealth too look at robotics look at genomics look at all these different areas that are new technologies coming into being that means all of those are going to be creating new wealth that didn't exist before so my book is about how people can study that learn about it know where to invest how to compound your money by investing some of your money in technology and how that's going to get you to financial freedom faster
1: self-driving you mentioned that that's pretty much here it's a matter of time like tesla's doing it and like to your point that's a trillion dollar industry right there right truck drivers are going to go away like lots of things uber like so many things are going to go away
3: new businesses will be created too yeah. because for example i was in dallas last year And there was a little heliport that they were building. And it was for like autonomous cars that are gonna fly you from this heliport to the airport, to DFW. So you could commute, it's like Uber commuting, but by air. And they were creating that already. So they're getting ready for it and putting the infrastructure in for the new technology. So that's an example of something that doesn't even exist today that will exist tomorrow. But you're also correct that trucks and things that exist today will be reinvented yeah not have a driver someday and will automatically find its way to its destination
1: yeah you mentioned amazon the store i actually went to it in seattle where you just walk in and they know you're a prime member there's no cashiers and you take whatever you want you walk out and they charge you
3: and that would be an example of cryptocurrency right that's using a cryptocurrency to do something like that Yeah,
1: it's crazy It's exciting though. I feel like it's an opportunity for regular people to kind of get in on these new markets.
3: It is an opportunity for people, for everyday investors to build wealth. And that's what has been so exciting in the crypto space. Yes, there's been a lot of speculation and craziness, and there's been a lot of ups and downs, but there's been a tremendous amount of wealth building that's happened in the crypto space. And it's been so exciting to be a part of that. And I think it's just beginning. There's way more to go, so very exciting time.
0: Linda, if people want to check out your podcast or get your book, where can they find it?
3: They can find it at lindapjones.com. And my book, You're Already a Wealth Heiress is on Amazon and men love my book too. So check it out.
2: Do you have an audible for the book?
3: I do. Awesome.
2: Perfect. I'm going to check it out. Definitely. I
0: know Matt wants to figure out how to be a wealthy heiress. And so this would be a great stuff for him.
3: Hey, men are wealthy heirs, but yeah. You already (laughs) have it within. The point is, it's already within you. So you're already a wealthy heir.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Linda, thank you so much. Like I said, we are huge fans of you. It is such a gift and pleasure to get you on our podcast we're still wondering how we got it done uh, but thank you for giving us your time because we really do value you and uh, you're someone that we look up to so thank you you should be a repeat guest we only have a few but i think we should bring you back on i don't have, okay, have, have one
1: okay we have one this is true
3: when <laughs> the book comes out in september let's do it okay.
0: oh there awesome. we go awesome we'll lock it in thank you everybody for listening you've been listening to the free retiree show so long for now